Hi there, everyone. I'm Naomi Mella, and you're listening to Smashing the Ceiling, the podcast that tells the stories of women with interesting, unusual, and inspiring careers. Thanks to everyone who's listened to Cal's episode from last week. I've had some really great feedback on that. So thanks to those of you who've been in touch. As ever, you can contact me via Instagram or Twitter, and I love to hear from people, so do drop me a line. My guest today, Sarah Williams, started her career in the reasonably conventional manner of a successful woman. High-class university education, graduate training programme, and a career in the city with the work-hard, play-hard London high life of a 20-something who was hitting their goals and forging a lucrative, successful career in finance. But after a few years, Sarah realised that she was burning out, frustrated and overwhelmed by a lack of support in a male-dominated environment, overworked on projects that she wasn't invested in, and struggling to maintain enthusiasm in a job that she just no longer enjoyed. So she quit, did a ski season and travelled the world, and she took the time to appreciate what her passions and strengths were, namely inspiring women and girls through sport and exercise. In 2014, Sarah started her blog, Tough Girl, and subsequently entered the Marathon des Sables in 2016, one of the world's most extreme endurance races. She's gone on to undertake a major expedition every year since. In 2017, she through-hiked the Appalachian Trail across the USA, which sounds casual, but only 20% of people complete this challenge in an average of six to seven months. Sarah did it in half that, to 100 days, which pushed her to her physical and mental limits. Sarah combines these challenges with her ongoing media work under the Tough Girl brand. Her Tough Girl podcast has had over 600,000 downloads, and earlier this year won the Women's Sports Trust Be A Game Changer Media Initiative of the Year. She has been recognised by The Guardian and by Red Bull as one of the most inspiring contemporary female adventurers to follow, and the Tough Girl blog has twice been nominated in the UK Blog Awards. Sarah is also a coach and mentor, and as someone who has benefited from her wisdom and experience, I can vouch for her success in motivating and helping others. I posted on Instagram this week that I'm currently in training for my first ultramarathon, and it is in part thanks to Sarah's motivational skills that both this podcast and that challenge have got off the ground for me in 2018. As we speak, Sarah is currently undertaking her 2018 challenge, namely cycling 4,000 kilometres down the west coast of North and Central America, through to the Baja Divide in Mexico, of which more later. I started by asking Sarah about Tough Girl and what the different components of her brand comprise. So Tough Girl Challenges is... Is, I was going to say it's my baby, but it is my website. It encompasses everything that I love, everything that I'm passionate about. It is a brand which is made up of different components. So there is the blog, there is the podcast, there's the books that I've sold. But as part of that as well, I do have, as well as all the social media, but I also have the Tough Girl Tribe, which is a closed Facebook community. And everything sort of comes under um under the umbrella of Tough Girl Challenges, which is all about motivating, inspiring women and girls to get fit and active, to travel and explore, um, yeah, to be more, to do more, to step outside their comfort zone, to challenge themselves, to help them grow and develop into the best person that they can be. So if somebody said to you, what do you do? Would you describe yourself as an adventurer or how would you actually describe your bag? it's so difficult and I've actually been thinking about this a lot and to be honest I think my answer my answer does change depending on the environment that I'm in and who I'm speaking with so there are certain environments where it's probably easier to describe myself say as a podcaster certain environments where it's easier to describe myself as a blogger I think I do struggle with the advert with the word adventurer I'm I'm not oh I used to have it as on my Twitter handle, 
like an adventurer blogger podcaster but I'm not sure I'd call myself an adventurer I I sometimes just say it's it's complicated but I follow my passions mm. and what, why <laughs> do you not what's the reason for that is there a, is do you think that that doesn't kind of accurately describe what you do would you say no it's more it's more about not being labeled under one banner because I think what I do is 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 very varied and I think also some people don't necessarily understand podcaster or blogging I mean I was cross I was crossing the board or when I was in Morocco to do Marathon de Sables, um and I wrote I, I wrote down blogger because, because that's what I was doing and the gentleman behind me was like blogger what is the what is a blogger uh, so you go through customs and you're trying to explain what a blogger is and it got more and more and more complicated and then when I was going over to America, for some reason, I was just having one of these moods and I wrote down elite endurance athlete for you know, my occupation. And he was just like, this is when I went to New York recently. And he, the, the gentleman, when I was crossing the border, he was like, uh, you're an elite endurance athlete. And I, was, I couldn't even like sort of keep a straight face. And I was trying to explain about um, about the Appalachian Trail. Um, so it does, it does just depend. And some days... I don't necessarily want to talk about what I do because it is quite unique um, and, and very, very different. And so obviously people are very, very interested in it, which is absolutely fine. But I do talk about myself a lot. <laughs> and so so sometimes if I'm in a non-adventurer, non-blogging, non-podcasting environment and say more with individuals who are in the, in the corporate sector, for example, um, it can be very... Uh, you end up having to justify your choices quite a lot and explain more about what you do. And then the second question is always going to be, how do you make money from this? How much do you earn? <laughs> and so sometimes if I'm feeling maybe like not emotionally strong at that point and, and not feeling very maybe very confident about what I'm doing and, and if I'm making a difference, then sometimes I don't want to have to justify all of my decisions. And so then I will try and... Um, uh, try and focus the conversation more on them and what they're doing yeah sure sure and just to backtrack a little bit you did start in the corporate world and made a leap out of that can you just tell us a little bit about that yeah absolutely so I um I graduated from Durham University I headed down to London first of all I started off on a graduate scheme to become an accountant I am not an accountant by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination that lasted for one year I then um, had a friend who worked in wealth management so I ended up moving over to uh, to a large company working in in wealth management I started out as a relationship executive then moved up to a relationship manager I was working with clients from the Middle East and Far East um running their portfolios helping their investments doing foreign exchange I then uh, carried on sort of progressing moved up into management running various teams before uh, in the final 18 months moving over to the private bank part of the operation so being based over in Canary Wharf um, this time running teams for the private banking executives and uh it all sounds yeah. very high flying very city <laughs> very suits um so that obviously you got to a stage where that was just not making you happy would you say a hundred percent and I, I think I am like a really I'm a really positive person and I always give 110 percent whatever it is that I'm doing I want to do my best I want to I, I suppose I'm a people pleaser at the end of the day I want to I want to please people I want people to like me and I'm I'm very good when I've got targets and goals and know what I need to do to get to the next level because I can structure it, I can plan for it. And I don't think I realized how 
miserable I was in in 2012 in, in in 2013 and until it just sort of it sort of just kept accumulating until I realized actually I'm really not happy here I, I, this is not good for my health this is not this is just not good for, for me and something has to change and it's I've I've got to be the one to change but in a way I didn't want to change if that makes sense as in I needed the environment to change and so that's why I had to make the decision actually I've got to get out of this because I don't want to use the word toxic lightly, but it was it was very male dominated. I wasn't getting the support that I needed. It felt, you know, when you're constantly, you're almost having to try too hard and you're giving it everything, but but nothing is working anymore. I think actually I don't have the energy to continue fighting this because I'm constantly fighting every single day. And actually what I'm doing isn't getting isn't getting recognized. So yeah, I needed to to step away. Yeah, so but it's interesting what you just said before about when you're talking to people in the corporate world and having to justify your decisions. I wonder how many people in their situation are actually probably secretly quite envious of what you've done <laughs> because I think there's an awful lot of people who are grinding away in city type jobs or you know the corporate world who probably long to be brave enough to take the decision to leave what they're doing and go and do something else, but but a lot of people don't. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I was at, the, at that time in my life, I was very, you know, look back now and think actually I was so fortunate. You know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have children. I didn't have a partner. I had, you know, the only things tying me down was like my gym membership, I, <laughs> which which seems um, sort of ridiculous. Whereas I think now friends, friends my age, sort of, you know, late 30s, oh, late 30s, that's all. I don't like saying oh, that. I know. Oh, mid 30s, I'm 36, so still mid 30s. Um, but they do, you know, they've got children, they've got mortgages. And actually, it's not, I don't think it is that easy to step away when you've got those, those responsibilities, because you are, you are tied down. And, and there's, there's no way to deny that. Mm. So you went off to, you went traveling for a while and did a ski season. And then your first kind of big adventure was to do the Marathon des Sables. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you made that decision and what that was all about? Absolutely. So the Marathon des Sables is, it's, it's incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, it's an incredible multi-stage ultra endurance race which happens in the deserts in Morocco it's running six marathons in six days carrying everything you need on your back it was named by the discovery channel as one of the world's toughest foot races it's been around for 30 odd years and it is known as a tough tough physical and mental race and I mean doing what I was doing you know I was going to lots of schools I was talking about challenging yourself and stepping outside your comfort zone but actually for me I hadn't done that for a long time and I'd run marathons before so I'd run the London Marathon five times previously and I needed a challenge that was going to scare me so I could really understand it from the point of you know from the point of view of other people who maybe sign up for a 5k and are and are nervous and apprehensive because actually you know for me running a 5k isn't outside my comfort zone running a marathon isn't outside my comfort zone but doing the marathon disturbs it scared me. It gave me that feeling in my stomach. I started to ask myself those questions. Can I, am I fit enough? Am I strong enough? Can I do this? How am I going to train for it? And I think, you know, going through that journey and going through that process would help me to be able to help other people. And I also wanted a way to launch Tough Girl Challenges as well to be like, hey, I, I am tough. I'm a, I'm a tough girl. Um, and I need to do something which would which would encompass that, and that's why that's why I wanted to do Tough Girl Challenges, and it was just uh, sorry, that's why I wanted to do the Marathon de Sables, and it was a race that I'd heard about many many years ago, 
and it always just stuck in my head but I never knew how I'd ever get to to a time or a place where I'd be able to complete it and and then suddenly I was in that place where I did have this opportunity. So you'd already set up the Tough Girl blog at this point but the Tough Girl brand was sort of in its early stages at that moment would you say? Yeah, absolutely. So I set up um, Tough Girl Challenges in in May 2014. That's when I wrote my first blog post. But the website didn't actually go live until December because I was so worried. You know, what are other people going to think about me? You know, putting myself out there. But so, but I kept blogging and I kept writing. So it took me six months to actually be able to share it all. And the plan was to do the Marathon de Saabs in 2015, the following year. But I, I basically completely messed up my training for Marathon de Saabs. I wasn't working with a coach. I wasn't working with any specialists. And um, I basically hit everything at full throttle. And by by Christmas of 2014, when I did launch sort of Tough Girl Challenges, I was actually health-wise in a very, very bad place. I had chronic fatigue. I was anemic. My hair was falling out. I had acne on my shoulders and my face. My period had stopped. My body weight was incredibly low. It was getting to the stage. I, I had no energy. I, I had to be in a dark room. You know, the light, any light was, I was so, my eyes were so sensitive. So a lot of 2015, I had to cancel doing Marathon de Saabs and postpone it for the following year. And 2015 then became all about getting my getting my health back, basically, and going right back to basics, changing my diet. Um, I think also sort of trying to like de-stress <laughs> and think about the present and not constantly be looking for, you know, not reliving the past and um, and also not thinking about the future because it can actually be um, – it's, it's a very difficult process when you are in flux or you're changing the direction of your life because you have all these questions, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right step? You know, is this going to work? And it's also that worry about what other people do think about you. And I think when you're feeling quite fragile, it can be quite difficult to to actually have that inner belief in yourself and what you're doing. And it can take a while for you to build up that self-confidence to be like, actually, no, I'm going to make this I'm going to make this work yeah it's an, quite a salutary lesson that isn't it about taking on a big physical challenge when you're not quite prepared correctly isn't it oh absolutely and it, and it can be and it's it's scary it's scary to be honest and I remember even before going out to before heading out to Morocco I was so anxious like I couldn't even pack my my bag so I had in my bedroom I had everything laid out you know all the food I needed for the week all my equipment and I was just look sat down looking across the floor looking at all this equipment thinking I, I, I couldn't even look at it I'd have to basically you know do one small thing like you know arrange the food into days and then get up walk away take a break and then you know come back and then focus on the food for Monday and then sort that out and then walk away again and it was really having to break it all down because it was so outside my comfort zone I was just so so scared to be honest and um you know, I'm putting I'm putting myself out there. I'm sharing this with everybody. Um, and actually, what what if I don't do this? Does that mean then Tough Girl Challenges is over? Does that mean that I've I've failed before I've even started? And those were a lot of the thoughts going around my head. I mean, some people would just say that you, you know it's crazy to put yourself in that situation to give yourselves those that level of anxiety and the level of challenge that you do do you think that it's all it's all worth it in the end like do you obviously to keep continue doing them you've gained a massive amount of satisfaction from the the completion um of, of the events that you've done so far but have you had people say why do you put yourself through this 
Oh, absolutely. Like um, there was a comment and I wish I could remember there was a comment about my Appalachian Trail challenge where because the Appalachian Trail was very, very extreme and I don't think I necessarily realized how extreme it was so that was really last up. year that was the 2017 challenge you did wasn't it yeah and just very quickly so in 2017 I threw height through height the Appalachian Trail which is 2,190 miles and I did it in 100 days so on average I was you know doing 22 miles a day it was the equivalent of 84 marathons over that period walking up and down Everest 16 times the final few days it was 30 30 odd mile days to you know to hit it by my deadline of the 10th of September and um and someone did say about the goal you know was it worth was it worth it and it's really interesting to to think back through and I'm gonna say yes it is it for me personally it is worth it because I I think there's lessons to be learned in everything that you do. And if you're open and willing to look for those lessons, to be like, actually, yeah, that that was a huge lesson for me. Because even on the Appalachian Trail, you know, I felt like a failure every single day. And actually, I needed to get to the point where it didn't matter if I failed because it wasn't it wasn't about the hundred days. And it, and if I'd made so if I'd made Mount Katahdin in 101 days, I would have, you know, the, my initially I would have felt like a failure because I'd set out to do it in 100 days. But actually, at the end of the day, I'd still done the Appalachian, I still would have done the Appalachian Trail, even though it took me 101 days. It's still an accomplishment and it's still about the journey. And that for me was, was a very powerful lesson to learn. Um, and I think it also identified for me how much pressure that I put on myself um, and what I'm like on a day-to-day basis. So I do find it worth it. I find I learn a lot about myself and it really helps me build my internal self-confidence and self-belief. And and actually, at the end of the day, I really do enjoy it and I get so much satisfaction and I don't know how to describe the happiness that you feel when you're outside every single day and you're pushing your body really, really hard and you have a purpose and you have a goal. And that makes me so happy. And then also I flip it and think, actually, you could, instead of walking every day outside in nature, carrying everything you need on your back, you could have been sat on a desk for still 12 hours a day <laughs> doing something completely different and, and being you know stressed out of your mind and looking at your BlackBerry. And you've made this choice. And for me, I'm so happy with the choices I've made. I, I do have this freedom now about, about my life and, and the direction I want to take it. That's really great to hear, though, isn't it? And so just going back to Tough Girl, the, the kind of USP of your brand is um, inspiring women and girls through um, exercise and, and getting outdoors. How do you, apart from writing a blog um, and the podcast, you mentioned you're going to schools to talk. Can you just mention a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this initially, well, I suppose it's what people do when they start doing adventures. It's, it was another income stri- income strand initially, but it's also I get a lot of sense of enjoyment of being able to share my stories. And because I always remember when I had um, speakers come into my school, we used to have them on a very regular basis. And sometimes it's only one phrase or one thing that they did that sticks in my memory. And I think if even one girl at 13, 14, 15, hears something about what I've done, it could help change the direction of her life because she could start thinking, oh, well, maybe I should take a gap year or actually maybe I should follow my 
my dream. Maybe I should go and do Camp America or, or, you know, maybe I should enter that race or whatever it may be. And they may look back and learn like a tip or, you know, a piece of advice that I share with them about goal setting, about how they can prepare, how they can, you know, train themselves mentally, how they can deal with setbacks, how they can get over failure. And I think that can be very, very powerful. Mm. Um, so, so I love going to schools to, to give talks. I also do it in, um, for, for companies as well. And, and I don't like adventure communities, so, you know, like festivals and run workshops and everything along those lines. And plus it's good for me to be able to get out there and talk about what I do. So the podcast and the blog, so that will hopefully lead more people to listen to the podcast, read the blog. And then it, it just, it basically has knock on consequences. It's a good thing to do to be able to expand your, your brand, expand your reach, expand your influence. Mm. And in terms of, you know, you're, you're essentially a, a businesswoman who is, has built a very successful brand. You've been nominated for some awards with your podcast. Have you, um, how have you gone about learning how to do all of that? Or has it been a sort of learn on the job job? <laughs> I think there's, there's two elements to it. So I actually, I, I did like A-level business. I'm on like the business studies trophy at school. I studied business at university. I've been in a very, obviously, you know, business environment for eight years. I was working with, you know, a lot of um, very, very successful um, individuals. And I think you do pick up quite a bit of information. So before I even started... I wrote, and this is this is insane. I, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to call it a business plan because it's not a business plan, but it is. It's more like a life plan. But I basically wrote this like 200-page document with everything that I wanted to get out of Tough Girl Challenges. Every how to monetize it, how to do the marketing, how to do the promotion, um, how to you know how I was going to grow the team, what the expectations were, what my six-month plan, my one-year plan, my uh, my three-year plan, my five-year plan. I mean, it's a ridiculously detailed I mean it's insane and I, I you know it's, it's not something you, you, you normally do um but I was very very clear that actually I needed to for me especially I needed to set myself targets and goals and run it in a uh or treat it as a business, treat it as my full-time job. So it's not just a question of, oh, I'll, I'll blog when I want to, oh, I'll release a podcast when I want to. I knew that I needed to have structure. I knew that I needed to be consistent. I knew that I needed to have um, certain targets, whether that was how many people I connected with on LinkedIn, how many people I follow on Twitter and Instagram, on social media, how many posts I have going out, being able to track through. So so that side of things, I was very, very comfortable with, um, you know, setting myself my own targets. But then on the other side of things, I'd never written a blog before. I'd never done a podcast before. I'd never built my website before. And I, I used social media, but never in a way where I was specifically trying to grow my brand, where I was trying to build a community, where I was having to engage with other people um, and to collaborate across the board. That side of things, I that was a massive learning curve you know I could never how do people put up these these great images on on Instagram how do they how do they create them and um, I used to find images and take photos of them with um, they might say like freedom with balloons and I'd be like oh that's a great one I can use that for Instagram and then I found out about Canva and I was like oh my god this is how you design like quotes and stuff and I you know stuff like that took me ages to figure out and you know building my own website and learning how to edit a podcast you know it used to take me, you know, 12 hours to edit a podcast. And I remember the first time I, I figured out how to um, fade music in and fade music out. And I picked my own intro music. And I was just like screaming with happiness when I 
when I completed my introduction, it probably took me the whole day. So it's been a massive learning curve. I mean, even with my podcast, I didn't even introduce myself when I started. I mean, it's, I just sort of basically launched into it. And then I had a friend tell me after like four episodes, they were like, um, Sarah, do you realize you've never told anyone who, who you are and what, what you do? And I was like, what? I must have done. I go back and listen to it. I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even linked it to a website. But I, I, I mean, the great thing about that is I knew even when I was editing and actually, the only way for me to get better at doing it was to do it. And, you know, same like editing videos and uploading vlogs and stuff. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. It took me so long to learn. But you do get to this point where suddenly you realize you're, you're consciously, com- sorry, consciously incompetent. But then you get to this point where you're like unconsciously competent. Mm. So I, you know, I, I knew what I was, I know what I'm doing now. And it's like, I know how to do it. And I think you just continue to improve and get better and better and better. Yeah, sure. And um, you're just finishing your master's as well. Um, that's in women and gender studies. Is that right? Yep, correct. Yeah. Cool. And so what are you hoping to aim to achieve from that? Or, or what have you learned from doing that as well? So the reason I wanted to do this is I, I realized that actually I I am building this massive platform. I'm getting to communicate with lots of women and be able to share, you know, my message of motivation and inspiration with other people who who want to be inspired in this way. And I definitely wanted to increase the amount of female role models in the media as well. But I also I'm very conscious of what is happening in our society at the moment with regards to to gender, gender equality, the Me Too movement, having um, individuals in power who are sexist and racist and just horrendous, such as Donald Trump. And I thought I need to understand more about what is happening because I'm trying I want to solve the problem about you know the lack of female role models in the media but I need to really understand it so I needed I wanted to go back to university to actually spend some time listening and learning and actually developing my own skills and and just being able to actually grow and develop as a person equally this is something which is very outside of my comfort zone I haven't studied since I was 23 when I left university or 22 when I left university and um, it was this incredible opportunity where I thought actually now is the time to do it I'm building a business you know these are my passions these are my interests and I need to be able to understand this because in the future if I do want to go and work for you know the World Bank or the UN or or another charity in this field then actually I knew you need to have the academic qualifications to back it up and I thought you know what it's going to be it's a year of my life full time now is the time to do it I'm very fortunate I do live at home at the moment uh, I can I can do this basically <laughs> I mean I don't I don't think I realized a how far outside my comfort zone it was going to be having to write academically after such a long time but when you break it down and when I break it down you know, the first weeks were te- 10 weeks, two modules, uh, second term, another 10 weeks, two more, uh, no, three modules in the, in the second term. And then writing my dissertation, which is something I was really passionate about. And I wrote, you know, 20,000 20, word dissertation on adventure, women and fear, because it's also an area that doesn't really get covered that much in in academia. academia. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the literature has been written from um, from a male perspective and a male viewpoint and I wanted to come at it from a feminist viewpoint from a female viewpoint and it was you know it, it's a massively interesting era I, I find it massively interesting I understand that not everybody will and it was just this great opportunity so I've um, 
finish my dissertation now pretty much finish my yeah finish my master's now it's just waiting on the on the results cool and what sort of things have you been touching on in that dissertation with regard to adventuring and fear can you give us a little flavor of that yeah so I think what uh, well basically I took I took four um oh, I want to pull my I want to pull it out now um <laughs> I, I I took four female adventurers who I'd spoken to on the podcast and what was really interesting is when I was well when I talked to them previously and how women communicate is it's almost like women are allowed to talk about the internal journey of a challenge what they learned what the fears were what they actually overcame how how it was what it was like for them getting back to nature and and how they grow and develop as a person and then I think what you find as well with a lot of uh, a lot of men and I certainly feel this when I listen to to men talking on podcasts is they are they're very you know they're still very interesting still interesting stories but a lot more men speak in a very more or I find I did this, I did that. So I went from X to Y. This is the equipment that I use. This is this is what we did every single day. So it's almost more of a factual journey. Um, whereas for women, it's very much more an, an internal journey. Also in terms of talking about fears, because of society, men maybe, well, men aren't... Uh, aren't unnecessarily allowed to talk about their emotions it's not seen as manly this is starting to to change but for women it's it's a lot easier to be able to talk about their own personal fears and say actually do you know what? I was really scared when I was on that side of the mountain and whereas if men were to admit that and to talk about that they may be viewed as oh that's not very masculine to talk about to talk about um how you were feeling in that way shouldn't you you know, fear um you shouldn't feel fear in that yeah in in that way um so I I just found it really really interesting and also just looking through all of the literature that had been written about it the adventure theories that had been um discussed um oh no now you're making me doubt myself and thinking oh have I written a good conclusion (laughs) it's gone it's done it's gone I know it's it's done done. yeah definitely it was it was it was um it's something that I, I started researching this in um October last year um and it's quite weird I think when you write everything down you do almost end up like forgetting about it I don't know I used to do this in exams like mm. you'd learn everything and as soon as you write it you, you forget it all it. afterwards absolutely yeah. absolutely I, I, I don't forget everything <laughs> <laughs> and you're leaving next week for your latest adventure can you just tell us a little bit about that yes I am so excited I bet so, you are um, I'm excited too yeah. So I'm, I'm flying off to Vancouver. I'm going to have a week in Vancouver and then I am going to buy a bicycle out there and then I'm then going to cycle down the Pacific Coast Highway and then I'm going to carry on down into Baja, California and end up in Cabo in Mexico. So it's going to be a journey of around 2,800 miles, around 4,000 kilometers and it's going to take me just over 100 days. I've got a flight booked out of Mexico so I have to be there by the 21st of December. Um, but this is a very different challenge to what I've done before I mean I haven't to be honest I've hardly ridden a bike over the past sort of 10 years last time well I properly I rode (laughs) I rode death road in Bolivia which was pretty scary and I've done you know a little a little bit of riding over the past sort of 10 weeks but not I've never carried I've never actually carried any weight on a bicycle I've never loaded up panniers or anything I've never gone like bicycle touring so it's going to be this whole new experience which I can document and share with everybody on Tough Girl Challenges because what I've been doing over the past couple of months is sharing the journey to say actually I'm studying for my master's I'm running my business 
and I'm planning for this big cycle. This is how I do this. This is, you know, especially in regards to planning the cycle, right? What areas am I focusing on? When do, when did I figure out what I need to do first? How did I pay for my flights? How did I figure out my insurance, figure out what equipment I need? Because I think a lot of people can look at big challenges and think and get very, very overwhelmed by what, you know, how do I even go about starting for that? So by documenting my journey, I'm, you know, hopefully people can say, oh, okay, so Sarah massively broke everything down, took it one step at a time. This is what she focused on first, the big ticket items. Once she got that in place, uh, she then moved on to the next thing and the next thing so that actually they can go away and think, oh, okay, it's, it's this is doable. I can do this. So if people want to support you, read about you, check out your blog, can you give us a, give us your links and where can we find you? Yeah, best place to go is toughgirlchallenges.com. And through that website, you can find the links to the podcast, the blog, the three books that I've written, all my social media links. I'm, I love Instagram at the moment. I'm going through a real Instagram phase, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. I'm actually supported in the work that I do through a website called Patreon. So patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash toughgirlpodcast, which is how I fund uh, my life, basically. So, um, yeah, any support is greatly appreciated, but I'd love for anyone to go and listen to the Tough Girl podcast. There's over 170 episodes, 170 hours of incredible content, women sharing their stories from climbing the highest mountain in the world, swimming the English Channel, sailing around the world, running countries, um, cycling around the world, cycling countries, you know, going from a 5K to running a London marathon, whole range of different stories, different age women. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot of inspiration on the website. Yeah, it's cool. And I would wholeheartedly recommend everyone to go and listen to the tough girl podcast it is brilliant um and finally what are your kind of hopes and what are your what are your own dreams about tough girl what's your kind of five-year goal or 10-year goal or where do you see yourself going with it all if you said in my dream world this is what it's going to look like Mm. I I think about this a lot as well Um, so at the moment I are, you know, I live with my parents. So I'm 36 year old. I live with my parents and I, I have been, well, it's meant to be like four weeks and four years later, I'm still living with them. But what that's allowed me to do is to build tough girl challenges up. So it has, I, I've now got this solid foundation. I've got patrons supporting me. I've got income coming in, not enough for me to be able to leave home and say, uh, buy a flat somewhere and rent somewhere, especially if I wanted to move to London. But the dream for me would be to basically go to be a digital nomad to travel the world continue doing these these big physical challenges but over a longer time period so I do prefer like longer challenges like the Appalachian Trail three months like doing the Pacific Coast Highway and the Baja Divide over over three months I'd like to be able to continue doing that I want to travel more I want to interview more women. I'd love to, I want to obviously continue to grow the podcast, get to a million plus downloads. I'd also want to start doing more vlogging. So either meet up with members of the Tough Girl Tribe who are, say, doing their first challenge, which could be a 5K and maybe I go and join them on that challenge or it could be um, an ultra like 50 miles or so and I go and join them on that challenge and I get to to speak with them and to share their story through, through vlogging or through the podcast. But basically, I would like to get to the point where I am uh, financially independent or be able to earn enough from doing what I do because at the moment I do still work two part-time jobs to be able to fund uh, fund my lifestyle and it, I, it will be amazing to get to the point where actually all my focus all my energy is just invested in in growing tough girl challenges and that actually it it's yeah I was gonna say like global domination but but I just want more people to be able to listen to. I want more Sherry's stories shared. I want more women 
um, to have role models which aren't currently in the mainstream media. So, yeah, I suppose life of freedom, following my passions, following my interests, but making it a financially viable business so that I actually can support myself without relying on, you know, on living with my parents, for example. Mm. I think it's really interesting that you're very honest about the fact that you haven't had to move back in with your parents to make this work because actually, you know, you clearly had a very good, probably reasonably well-paid job, you know, pretty well-paid job in the city, which leaving all that behind is is a difficult thing to do and actually it's very easy for people to look at um people in your position who are doing a lot of travel or who are pursuing their dreams and thinking well you know that's okay for you because you must have bucket loads of money but actually you've made big sacrifices and I think it's really important to be honest about that isn't it oh 100% and I I get um I think it's very easy, especially with the power of social media, to be able to look at my, at my life and what I'm and what I'm doing. And I think people did for for a while. And maybe that was how I was sharing it because I'd only show them me at the gym, me you know traveling or doing whatever. And um, and I had to. There was a pretty much like a wake up call. I think I'd been doing tough girl challenges for two, for two years, and suddenly you know I'm starting to go into debt for it. Even though I'm living at home with my parents, I still have costs from you know from the website and from from hosting and I basically I needed to share this with people because I don't want anybody to think oh it's oh it's so easy for so easy for her to do this and it's like no 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 um so I just wanted to be really transparent and say look this has taken me four years to build up to this position where I'm in and also I'm very minimalistic I don't you know I don't buy clothes I I don't have a social life I don't (laughs) I don't go out and if you sometimes if you follow me on Instagram stories I'm spending 15 hours a day working from my bed working in my bedroom do you know doing the podcasting all the social media and it is hard work and I think I think there is this illusion about oh it's easy to to post pictures on social media and it's easy to grow a following and it's really really not so I just try and be as transparent as possible and say look these are the struggles that I'm going through but this isn't going to stop me and this is what I've learned and this is uh, the, the journey basically and I mean I kept a daily podcast in 2017 for that for those reasons as well because I want to be able to look back in three or four years time to be able to say gosh do you remember that time when you struggled to get paid for doing anything or you're in this very dark place and now look where you are look how far you've come because I think that's that's part of the problem as well as I probably forget how far I've come as well and it's only when I go back and listen or read some of my blog posts and like wow gosh that was such a struggle back then or um so yeah so it's definitely it's an interesting journey and I just hope that it will inspire other people to think how can I build my own business and for them to know it doesn't happen overnight it is it is hard work there's a huge amount of hard work um involved in doing it talking about that side of things actually is is as inspiring in its own right to people who just I think social media creates such a false impression of what life is like for people, isn't it? In in every different way, you know, whether it's a celebrity or somebody who you see on an amazing holiday or somebody who's completing this fantastic challenge and, or even I always think that about Olympic athletes is all you see is the gold medal. You don't see the years of sweat and tears and missing people's weddings and pain and poverty and all the other things that go with it you know um and actually what people see is the end result without necessarily seeing everything that's behind that so I I feel that your honesty about that is actually really important from a clarity perspective for people who are looking at your work and 
and wanting to do similar things as well that it's it's important to sort of say it's not all sunshine and rainbows but when you do it it's amazing I see it's, I mean I think there is uh, there's a there's a great post uh, so Cathy O'Dowd um the woman who has climbed Mount Everest, South African climb Mount Everest, she has a great website called Business of Adventure. And there is a great post in there because I think there are a lot of adventurers out there at the moment who who are basically trying to fake it till they make it. And they don't necessarily reveal, um, A, that they are living at home with their parents it's not you know it's, it's not a common it's not a common thing to do um or they're being supported by their their significant other who maybe does have a very very well-paid job so therefore can help to fund the expeditions and stuff that they go on but this isn't this isn't judgment at all it's just that sometimes i think people are being economical with the truth of how they're doing it so it looks as though they're being they're being sponsored or or whatever it is and it's like I know for a fact that they're not and um and so I just want to be really I suppose realistic to say to show people it's not as easy as just having an idea to go and do a challenge and then you just go out and it's really easy to get that sponsorship or to actually make a living do, being an adventurer to make a living from it it's incredibly difficult to 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 do that um and go on adventures because there's so there's so many moving moving parts and that's why you've got to have multiple things and I'm, I'm i'm so happy as well you know for me having the podcast because i also think well you know what happens if i get injured or what happens if um in 10 15 20 years down the line and um maybe i'm not physically able or i want to have a family then at least i can still continue doing the podcast and still continue producing content so I'm definitely thinking very very long term about it I also want to I also thinking about legacy and and just having this resource that people can go to so I'm definitely thinking really really long term I also think could you imagine 750 women's stories which don't necessarily get heard then actually suddenly there is this um there is this audio there is this recording that people can listen to these women and and also going back even four years you know i've spoken to women who've gone on and, and done challenges and then you know speaking to them following up with them a couple of years down the line what's different what's changed what's been the next adventure it's a way to track all of these journeys to be able to show people how far they've come and that actually they just didn't wake up and and go and summit mount everest or or row an ocean those were the these were the steps that they needed to take so i think that's going to be an incredibly powerful yeah a very powerful thing i think it's so important you know, to, to learn about what other women are doing in in different areas and and sometimes we just don't get to to hear about it so i'm just really passionate about more women sharing their experience whether it's through blogging or podcasting or social media because at the moment i do feel as though women don't get the exposure they need on mainstream media and actually we all do have a voice if you've got access to a smartphone you you are an influencer a micro influencer and I, and actually it can be very very powerful to share to share your journey with other people who may be going through something similar so i just want to encourage more women to get out there to you know to share their voice share their story and inspire and motivate other women to to get after it so today's take home message is to go out there and get after it whatever your dreams are whatever your passions are whatever you think can't be done it can, and it sounds like a bit of a cheesy soundbite, but giving yourself the opportunity to think big about what really motivates you can be very enlightening in helping to direct your career. Thanks to Sarah for our chat today. As mentioned, she is currently somewhere in California, and you can follow her progress at www.toughgirlchallenges.com.
All of the links to Sarah's social media will be on this week's show page. So head there if you're interested in finding out more. And on that note, that is all for this time. You've been listening to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. Please subscribe if you haven't already and feel free to leave a nice review on your favourite podcast site as it helps others to find us. More importantly, if you enjoyed it, spread the word as word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising. You can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Ceiling and on Instagram at Smashing the Ceiling and we'll hopefully see you next time. <laughs>